Wednesday, September 26, 2018. You are listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast, and I am your host, Clint Daly, coming to you from the Mile High City right here in Denver, Colorado. We are back for another day of talking sports with a dose of common sense. Happy Wednesday to you. You know, on this day, September 26th, we do actually have a little bit of sports history. Because on September 26th, 1996, Barry Bonds actually became just the second player to hit 40 home runs and steal 40 bases in a single season. Now, a couple crazy things about that whole statistic. First off is the fact that he was the second player to ever do that. Any idea who might have been the first player to do that? It's not someone you think of right away. It was actually Jose Canseco. And we kind of forget that Jose Canseco was a pretty good player back in the day. And the fact that he was able to do that at one time, because our lasting memory of him is the book he wrote, is the ball bouncing off his head. Like we don't really recall what an athlete Jose Canseco truly was. But getting back to Bonds, you know, when he did this, this would have probably been just prior to all of his steroid stuff. And same thing with Barry Bonds. Because of the steroid stuff that left this lasting impression, we kind of forget just how good he truly was. When you think of Barry Bonds right now, what do you think of? Steroids. But before the steroids, before that stuff ever hit, he was insanely talented. Remember, even during that steroid era, how many pitches was he actually getting to swing at? Because they were walking him constantly. He'd get like two decent pitches to swing at, and he'd knock one of them out. Just such a crazy, talented player. And we do kind of forget about it because of that whole steroids thing. I mean, what we remember now is him just getting jacked out of his mind and knocking home runs out like he was playing in Coors Field every single night, even though he wasn't. You know, Barry Bonds really was a special player, and he would have been a Hall of Fame guy without the steroid stuff, without all those home runs that he hit late in his career. He was a Hall of Fame guy easily. But then, you know, for whatever reason, he decided to start the steroid stuff, and now that's what we remember him for. But today, we think back to that era when Barry Bonds did hit 40 home runs, he stole 40 bases. He was truly such a game-changing offensive player Pretty impressive stuff that he was able to do. Now, here's the crazy thing to think about. He joins the 40-40 club September 26, 1996. And then it was what? I think it was like two years later, maybe, that he set another record that was pretty amazing when his giant head was measured at 40 inches in diameter. I mean, that's a pretty impressive record too. Don't forget about that. Now, if you'd like to contact the show today, Maybe let us know, I don't know, your head size or whatever it might be. We would love to hear from you. Hit us up on email, dailydosesports at gmail.com, or feel free to go over and find us on Facebook or Twitter. Both of those handles are at Daily Dose Sports. We do post a link to the podcast over there. Every once in a while, we'll throw up a random thought here or there. But if you would like to contact us, sometimes that is the quickest way. Maybe you've got some feedback for the show. Maybe you have some advice for us. Maybe you need some advice from us. Oh, we're good at handing out advice. You might want to reach out to us there. We would love to hear from you. Today on the show, of course, we will have to continue our conversation with longtime 
caller of the show, Raymond from Washington, D.C. You know, he joined us yesterday to discuss the NFL to this point. And I know we're only three weeks into the NFL, but we're already starting to see certain things. We took a walk through each team, kind of got an idea of what they're looking at so far, just three weeks into the season. And then, you know, we do kind of get his picks for how he thinks things are going to end up. We are going to have to continue that conversation today. But before we get to Raymond and some of his crazy opinions, we do have a few things coming out in the world of breaking news that we want to get to. First news story coming out is in the NFL. The Minnesota Vikings have informed Everson Griffin and his agent that apparently the star defensive end would not be allowed back to the team unless he undergoes a mental health evaluation. That is according to a police incident report. According to that report, Griffin had been explosive, he had been screaming, he had been yelling at a team facility, and he had been struggling for a little while. Like there were weeks at a time that they had noticed Everson Griffin was a little bit off. Now, even though the Vikings want Griffin to undergo that mental health evaluation, Apparently, he hasn't said or done anything that led the team to believe that he is a danger to himself or others, but he is currently being evaluated at a Minneapolis area hospital. He's getting assistance on personal matters. The league apparently is comfortable that he has a good support system around him. You know, and it's just kind of interesting when you hear stories like this now, because back in the day, as we go back in the history of the NFL, this kind of behavior it was just accepted. Like, that's just how he is. That's just how the guy is. I mean, think about it. Think if you went back in time and you saw guys like, I don't know, Jack Lambert or Mike Webster, Jack Tatum, John Matuzak. Do you think they'd be getting put into some sort of program like this? I'm thinking so. And not even just back in the 60s and 70s, but what about guys like Lawrence Taylor, Charles Haley, And when we saw those personalities in the game in the NFL in the past, what did we say? Hey, man, that guy is crazy. Like, stay away from that guy because he's just kind of nuts. You never know what he's going to do. I mean, no one was calling the police or asking for some sort of a mental health evaluation on like Bill Romanowski. But dude probably needed to have one, didn't he? But see... Everything changed in the NFL back when Kansas City Chiefs linebacker Jovan Belcher shot his girlfriend and then committed suicide. And remember, he did that in the Kansas City Chiefs parking lot. Those days of just being, "Eh, he's just kind of the crazy guy. He's just kind of nuts. That's just kind of how he is. Yeah, that is not tolerated these days. You can't do that. The ramifications are too steep. A guy like Charles Haley, a guy like Lawrence Taylor, They would be getting evaluated this day and age because we have seen a scary, horrifying part to that. That era of just, "Eh, he's just a crazy guy. That era is gone. Like we look at the league and we see certain eras that are gone. The big hitting safety is gone. The really super physical corner is gone. Well, nowadays, the big sacking defensive lineman is gone because we're not even seeing that. But the other thing we're seeing, if you're acting crazy, They're going to get you some professional help because the risk is just too great and they can't do that anymore. Hopefully, Everson Griffin gets his life back in order. Again, we talked about it a little bit last week. You only have a few years to make those checks. Go get some more checks, Everson Griffin. Hopefully, he gets taken care of. You know, we just mentioned it. We talked about it yesterday as well. Apparently, 
the NFL is listening to the Daily Dose because they say that the NFL's competition committee is scheduled to speak on a conference call next week and that they're going to talk about the huge upswing of roughing the passer penalties that are taking place throughout the league. Now, through three weeks of the season, there have already been 34 roughing the passer calls. That's a lot. Think of this last year. Through three games last year, there had been just 16. Through three games in 2016, there were just 20. So it definitely has jumped up a lot. Now, part of the issue is that the league this year made a point of emphasis on what was a 23-year-old rule that prohibits defenders from landing on the quarterback with their full body weight or driving him into the ground with excessive force. The NFL actually says the rule has been on the books since 1995 and that it made it a point of emphasis this season after hearing complaints from coaching staffs that no one was enforcing it. Do you remember anyone enforcing that back in 1995? 99? 2015? Nope. None of the above. That's never happened. Apparently, the NFL's competition committee is concerned about the frequency of these penalties and has voiced those concerns to the league office. Hey, here's the biggest thing that I notice. If the defensive players are coming out and they're saying, come on, this isn't fair. Eh, I kind of take that with a grain of salt, right? I kind of ignore some of that stuff. I hate to say, but I really do. I don't always pay attention to that because we're taking the bread off their table. I understand why they're mad about it. I understand why they don't like it, but it's affecting them directly. That I don't pay as much attention to. When I start hearing offensive players saying, what are you guys calling? Are you really calling that right now? When I hear Kirk Cousins saying, yeah, that wasn't a penalty on Clay Matthews. I don't know why you're calling that. When I hear Travis Kelsey saying, yeah, it's getting to the point of being ridiculous as offensive players, we're kind of embarrassed by what they're calling for us. That's when I have to say, wait, hold on a second. It might be time to conduct a review of what it is that you're calling. You know, the biggest problem that I have with this is not the fact that, hey, put dresses on the quarterbacks, none of that. The biggest problem I have with this, you're asking so much of your referees. You're asking your officials to somehow come up with now a judgment call on every single time the quarterback is touched. That's putting a lot on their plate. Like they have enough to worry about. You've got these 60, 70 year old guys trying to run down these plays. And now you're asking them to make a judgment call that can affect the game in a huge way every single time the quarterback is touched. I think you're getting into a dangerous area there. I think you're asking way too much of your officials because remember, there's no replay to help on this call. If they get this one wrong, it just hurts the game. It just screws the game up. You can't say, well, we're going to look at the replay and make sure we get it right. There's no replay on this. And no, I'm not asking for replay on this. I'm asking them to rethink what they're calling right now. I'm really hoping they can set a better guideline for players so that there's less confusion. I've seen the exact same play called differently by different crews. That's a problem. Finally, shifting over to Major League Baseball, a 20-year-old food service worker at Comerica Park in Detroit has been charged after a video was posted online that appeared to show him spitting on a pizza intended for customers during a Detroit Tigers baseball game. <gasps> yeah, yeah, that's disgusting. Jalen Curley was apparently arraigned Tuesday on felony and misdemeanor food law violations 
the felony charge is punishable by up to four years behind bars. Now, the video appeared on Instagram over the weekend and officials determined the video was actually recorded Friday when the Detroit Tigers were hosting the Kansas City Royals. Curley was arrested Sunday and was fired. His bond has been set at 10% of $100,000. He also has to be tested for infectious diseases. Hey, this is terrible, honestly. This is truly a horrible, scary situation. I mean, it's disgusting, really. You're telling me people are actually going to watch the Detroit Tigers play the Kansas City Royals? Ugh, that is horrible. That just makes me like a little bit sick to my stomach. I don't even like to think about that. Hey, coming back, we have to get back to our friend Raymond, who is helping us break down the NFL season after the three-week mark. Yes, it is our 316th NFL review. We are going to continue that conversation as soon as we get back. Just a quick reminder that if you have any shopping to do, you might want to head over to LootCrate.com forward slash Daily Dose, where you can find the latest pop culture collectibles featuring your favorite TV shows, your favorite movies, and your favorite video games. October's Loot Crate theme is now out. It is called Cursed, Haunted by Dark Spirits and Evil Creatures. Sorry, but it sounds like you've been cursed. Fight back against your regrettable fate with an exclusive collection of accursed gear. October's Loot Crate theme features items from Attack on Titan, Gremlins, Evil Dead 2, and American Horror Story. Looks like they are getting ready for Halloween over at Loot Crate. But if none of those franchises interest you, remember, you can go to Loot Crate and choose from a huge selection of crates, a monthly subscription of crates, or just individual items. And they have so many things over there, they are sure to have exactly what you need. Of course, the best part about ordering from Loot Crate, when you check out, be sure you type Daily Dose in the coupon box. We are going to get you 10% off of your order, just as a little thank you for listening to the Daily Dose each and every day. Okay, so yesterday we were joined by one of the very first callers that we've ever had to the Daily Dose. Raymond from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, he called in yesterday. We began to review the NFL season up to this point. We made it through the AFC and the NFC East. Now, if you didn't hear that, I would encourage you, go back and check it out and see what he had to say about those two divisions. But right now, we are going to continue with our 316th NFL review. Let's talk a little bit. Let's go over to the AFC North. What is wrong with those Pittsburgh Steelers? They have so much talent, and we never really see it all come to fruition. They have a, I like to call this, this is just a, a band of characters, a cast of characters. Yeah. Just a lot of personalities. And I think maybe Tomlin gives a little too much of a free reign. Right. Uh, to those guys. Just be got to get everybody on the same page and focus uh they do have too much talent, but I think it's too a lot of indiv- a lot of individuals on that team. I think you're hitting it exactly on the head. I think it's too many individuals and not very many team guys. And that defense, which was looking good since Ryan Shazier is out, looks terrible now. And he's not coming back, so we right. don't expect improvement for the defense. Uh, the Steelers should be. What would you do with Le'Veon Bell? I would trade him. Yeah. Um. Now. Now, Connor, he's, he's not nearly as good. And, yeah, he's putting up numbers, but there's a big difference. But if you can get a King's Ransom for Bell, which you probably can't because who trades for running backs like that? Well, we traded for LaShawn McCoy, but we traded for, I think we traded a third rounder for LaShawn. So maybe if you can get um, a second or something like that. I think Le'Veon is like 26, 27, still in his prime. 
Can I throw out a candidate uh, that could go trade for him? That should go trade for him? Who? The Indianapolis yeah. Colts. That'd be nice. That'd be a good fit. Just to give Andrew Luck some sort of help. And we know that the Colts aren't afraid to. I mean, they have some picks. They have some things they could move. If I were the Colts, what else do you have to lose? Like, you might as well go give it a shot. Well, that's the whole point. That's they should be doing is building talent around luck. Yeah, that's not what they do, though. Yeah, that makes, yeah that's that's too smart. Right. <laughs> I withdraw. Yeah, I withdraw my nomination. <laughs> exactly. It makes too much sense. Mm. Staying in the AFC North, you saw the Baltimore Ravens in week one against your Buffalo Bills. They've got a pretty solid defense, but how much faith do we really have in Joe Flacco? He's the same Flacco from last year. Uh, he's, he's just, just a, well, before it used to be he just had a, he had a cannon arm. Now his arm is not as strong. His mobility is not as good. And for some reason, I don't know, he just seems to be getting dumber. Doesn't see the field as well. They bought in some pieces that so you thought their offense was going to be more explosive, but it's, there's this, there's something missing in Baltimore. So I feel like it's the same team from last year. The offense just is not good enough to get them winning consistently. I'm seeing a lot of this too, because I don't know what to make of this next team, the AFC North. They're kind of in the same boat. The Cincinnati Bengals, it seemed like they have talent every single year, but they never do anything. Do we expect anything different this year? Same thing. Dalton will throw 10 touchdowns to Green. They'll, uh, running back will rush for close to a thousand yards. Um, you know, they'll put up good numbers. The defense will be fairly solid and they'll finish the season nine and seven, you know, so, and Marvin Lewis will be with us probably yet another year. Well, of course he will. He's not going yeah. anywhere. No, he's not. That's the same stuff. Okay, the Cleveland Browns won their first game in almost two years. Honestly, you would have thought they won the Super Bowl, the way Browns fans reacted to finally winning a game. But can I tell you what my goal is for the Cleveland Browns right now? What's that? I want Hugh Jackson to go back to Tyrod Taylor just to anger everyone, just to make people lose their minds. I want him just to be like, we're sticking with the veteran. We think he's the guy. Well, I've been there with Tyrod. Yes, you have. He was a Bills quarterback for several years and it was difficult because his numbers were always decent with his turnovers were always low but when I would tell people that he doesn't throw the ball people would tell me I was nuts and he was a great quarterback and we need to stick with him there's something not clicking in Tyrod's head he does not throw the football he just stands back there and doesn't throw interceptions which means he just holds onto the ball and takes sacks runs around for a bit. It's the same deal with him. He's doing the same thing in Cleveland that he was doing in Buffalo, not throwing the football. So I, I knew it wouldn't be long. I knew it wouldn't be long before Baker, Baker Mayfield had his chance, wanted Tyrod to do good, but he's just not – he's a backup. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a backup. What did you think of Baker? So, Baker looked good. He uh, did. His arm, his arm was sharp. I, I felt like he looked – I remember him in Oklahoma, and he was yeah, he was pretty good. But he seemed to be, I don't know, he seemed improved kind of. You know, his zip on his passes, I mean, was one game, and the other team wasn't necessarily prepared for him. But they say those are the first snaps with the first team, so that's pretty good to just come out and zing the ball around like he did. And I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing what's next. I think Cleveland has a lot of talent, and I think that they could, uh, I think they could win that division if they can get some solid quarterback play. 
Well, and they're interesting yeah. because like you said, they do have a lot of talent. They've been drafting at the top of the draft for the past 25 years. So yeah, you're right. They do have a ton of talent. I was impressed with what I saw from Mayfield. I knew he could play a little bit. Some of those throws, those were some NFL throws. And like I said, let's see what happens when he faces a team that actually game plans for him. They're going to take some things away. But wow, he looks like a quarterback. That's the biggest thing. He looks like an NFL quarterback. He did look the part. And, you know, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. He'll need to win a few games. We'll see if, if they uh, fire their coach. <laughs> right. Because we know that could be coming in. Any second, he's now what two and thirty-five or something in the last two and a half seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not good. So yeah. let's shift over to the NFC North. We talked about them a little bit earlier. The Minnesota Vikings—they looked like one of the big dogs, but they got smacked around by Buffalo on Sunday. And you talked about it. What did you think the biggest key was to beating Minnesota? Was it just putting that pressure on Kirk Cousins? Yeah, but Kirk Cousins is very stationary. He doesn't run around. So he had no room to throw. And hence, when he was crowded, he threw bad passes, couldn't see the field. And, um, yeah, wasn't that great? And he really cannot move back there. So I think pressure, I think Minnesota's offensive line is going to be a problem. If, if that guy has time, he, he'll take you apart. But that offensive line just really isn't that good. And we exposed them on Sunday. Well, and you may have, and the bad news for Minnesota, if you're a Minnesota fan, the thing that I think would scare me the most about the way they played against Buffalo is think of their biggest competition in the NFC, someone like Philadelphia and someone like the Los Angeles Rams. That's kind of scary because we know those defensive fronts are nasty. Raymond, the Green Bay Packers, I'm a little bit concerned about them. Aaron Rodgers doesn't look right. You can't sit him down. I mean, he's the franchise. NFL refs hate Clay Matthews, but... What do you do with the situation in Green Bay? Because I'm not very impressed with him. I honestly, I think Aaron Rodgers has a blown MCL. I think he's playing anyways. Well, Aaron Rodgers is still a quality quarterback. We all know that. Um, I do think that uh, he is, obviously, he's not not as mobile. He's not not healthy. I think once he is healthy, they do have the right pieces, I feel like, this year to, to make a run. But he has to regain some of that mobility. I know next week uh, he won't be regaining any. He'll probably lose uh, some of that mobility as they play the Bills' ferocious front seven next week. So that's going to be tough on him. Uh, but I think once after the Bills loss, I think maybe they'll, you know, they'll start to get better after that. I re- I really do. I think he blew that knee, and I think they're pretending. I think they're they're injecting him with stuff to get him to play, but he doesn't look himself. He's out there hobbling he around. Did. He's not moving well at all. And the rest of this division is kind of goofy. The Detroit Lions get that win on Sunday night against the New England Patriots, but I don't know. Was that just Bill Belichick doing Matt Patricia a favor? Yes. Uh, Patricia, uh, I think we've we've seen him like the week before. I think Detroit, was it the first game against Cincinnati where they looked absolutely terrible? Yes. Um, I'm not a a believer in Matt Patricia. Um, I just think he just happens to know. Obviously, he knows the Patriots inside and out, and that helped him out in this game. But I think Detroit sucks, and Matt Patricia and that whole Detroit franchise is going to get what they got. They're going to get what's coming to them for firing Jim Caldwell to begin with. Wow. Some revenge on your mind there with Jim Caldwell getting fired. Do you think there's any truth to the rumor that Bill Belichick was afraid Matt Patricia would eat him? <laughs> well, he does seem to be getting bigger and bigger. Um, He's like a perfect circle. 
Yes, he is. Uh, I would be fearing of uh, being eaten by him as well. Why can't the Detroit Lions have nice things? Is it the curse of Barry? Like you ruined Barry. Is you you ruined Calvin Johnson? Why can't they have nice things? When they do, they break them. It, it doesn't make any sense. They do. That's right. That's right. There's some of the, two of the best players uh, in the franchise's history just quit because they didn't want to play for them anymore. That's a, that says something. It does. That's a bad, bad franchise. You know, the Chicago Bears, they were a dark horse pick for a number of people prior to the season. I don't know if I have that much faith in Mitchell Trubisky. I like that defense a lot. Trubisky, is it me? He reminds me a little bit of Tony Romo. I, he's definitely overrated. I think Chicago needs uh, they need better – well, obviously they need better quarterback play, but I don't think he's going to be the guy for them in the future. I love their other pieces, though, but the quarterback, they're just not there yet. But in that division, they could win it because I think the only thing – I think Minnesota is more talented. But other than that, they're the second most talented in that division. And I think that they're not far away from Minnesota, so they could win it. Yeah, you're probably right. They're right there defensively. That's a really good team. And then you add Khalil Mack. That's ridiculous. That's a pretty good team. Yeah, it is. Let's move over to the AFC South. And the Jacksonville Jaguars have that very, very good defense. Is there any reason whatsoever we should have any belief whatsoever in Blake Bortles? Well, uh, Doug Marone is their coach. So, um, Doug Marone's a former uh, Buffalo Bill coach who I despise with great passion. Um, now that he's in Jacksonville, I wish him nothing but the worst. <laughs> it's um, not very nice. With that being said, it's not surprising that they lost at home to a game that they were favored to win after destroying the Patriots last week that they come out and lay an egg. So, it's, it's, it's not surprising. Well, and they're and a I young don't. team. They have a lot of young guys on that team, and you wonder, like, they don't know how to deal with success yet. They don't know how to deal with adversity quite yet. They're young and they're talented, but it's always, I know there are a lot of people jumping on and saying Jacksonville's the favorite in the FC. I'm not so sure about that. But, although they're, at least offensively, yes, I admit, yes, they're a great defensive team, but you can't line up and just run them teams over, which is what Doug Marone wants to do. That doesn't work in the NFL. You have to throw the ball. And I just don't think they're passing in with Blake Bortles back there. You just don't have enough talent. But they are the best team probably in the division. Yeah, they probably are. That's just not saying a whole lot because the Houston Texans, they have been a huge disappointment so far. I think that horrible offensive line is just too much to overcome. You're asking Deshaun Watson to do way too much right now. Yeah, this is um, a big surprise for me. I, I didn't expect him to come out and put out the numbers he was, you know, putting out his first few games of last season. But uh, it has been a surprise that he has not been lighting it up a little bit more. But I do think Houston is going to get that together. I'm a big believer in Deshaun Watson. I think he's really talented. And, uh, and I love their pieces with Will Fuller and Hawkins, um, yeah. With Fuller and Hawkins, I really think that uh, they can do some things with Deshaun back there. So I'm expecting them to take control of this division at some point this season. Well, you would think that they would. I worry about that offensive line. That offensive line is bad, and that is the problem. Right now they're just giving up too many sacks. And Deshaun Watson, he's trying to do it by himself. I love that kid too. I think he's a stud, and I think he's just a kid that knows how to win games. You're just getting him chased around a lot, and we know he's coming off the knee injury. Not very easy to, to do. 
Uh, I hope that they kind of get it together because I kind of cheer for Deshaun Watson. The Indianapolis Colts, are you buying the return of Andrew Luck? You know, this whole uh, tight ends everywhere football that Indianapolis loves to play, I just think they're not taking advantage of this. He has a strong arm. Yeah, he throws a lot, but it's more of a dink and dunk and showing, going short with these tight ends everywhere. I think they need to spread the field and let Andrew Luck really zing the ball all over the place. I think that's what he would be best at. But they like playing, I don't know, like a Stanford ball. Like This is the offense he played basically in college with this boring offense. I'm not convinced that he's all the way back. But uh, they seem to be decent there playing in these games, but I'm not convinced Indianapolis is that good. Yeah, I'm not completely sold on them either. Did you see the end of their game on Sunday when it was the final play of the game and they had the Hail Mary situation? Yeah, I did. They pulled him out. They pulled Andrew Luck out and put Jacoby Brissett in and had him throw it. They obviously don't think Andrew Luck can throw it. His shoulder is not quite there yet. If it's ever going to be, I don't know. But it's not there yet if they're pulling him out for that situation. No, right. Well, we'll see how that goes. He's He's been gone a long time. Yeah, he's been gone a full two years, and we don't know if he's ever going to be quite what he was. Final team in the AFC South, we have the Tennessee Titans. And what can you say about the Titans? Because they are one of the most boring teams in the NFL. Another boring team. I was expecting big things from this Mariota kid, but he just can't stay healthy. Yeah, he's so Um, slight. He's such a small guy. Yeah, and then with them uh, losing Walker, their tight end, you know, they don't have any pieces. And um, I think Tennessee is in for a tough year. Yeah, they could be. I was shocked that they beat Jacksonville on Sunday. But I'll give their defense a little bit of credit. At least they held Blake Bortles down for the day. I don't know. Tennessee's such a boring, boring team. They just play ugly, boring football. There's nothing fun about them to watch. And like you said, I thought Marcus Mariota coming in, he's going to give them some life. He's going to give them kind of an identity. No, nah, it's just boring football. Unless they get to play the Chiefs in the playoffs, there's really not much to watch. <laughs> I agree. We didn't quite get to finish, but tomorrow on the Daily Dose, we will finish up this conversation with Raymond. We are going to get his selection for this year's Super Bowl. Trust me, you are not going to want to miss what he has to predict for the Super Bowl this year. Maybe you can take a guess on which way he's going on that but you're going to need to stop by and check it out for yourself. I have to say thank you all so much for listening to and for sharing the show. Thank you all for the emails. Thank you for the texts. Thank you for the retweets. Thank you for the shares on Facebook. If you would like to contact us, feel free. Hit us up on email at dailydosports at gmail.com or find us over on Facebook or Twitter. We would love to hear from you. I have to say thank you to JSP. Could not do any of this without you. I will see you all tomorrow. Have a wonderful Wednesday. <laughs>